Well, this is exciting to be with you guys this morning. It's been a while. Let's just get this turned on. Um, so I, uh, I get the joy and the honor of, hey, welcome back, <laughs> of, um, oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, the excitement is real. Um, there's a little problem going on here, but that's fine. And um, before I actually start what I want to do today, there's something else I wanted to share with you, so I'm going to find it. I woke up this morning um, too early, actually. I woke up at like 6.30, but resounding through my spirit and my head was Romans 8.28, Romans 8.28, Romans 8.28. And I was like, it's too early, I'm going back to sleep. So I went back to sleep and I woke up at 7.30 and resounding through my spirit and my mind was Romans 8.28, Romans 8.28. So I am going to start by reading Romans 8.28 this morning before we get into what we're doing. Um, and it says this, and then I'd like to pray for you if you feel like this speaks to you. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Isn't that good scripture? Who feels like they need that right now? If you feel like you need that, I want you to stand up. I want you to stand up, stand up and take it. Stand up and receive it. And I'm gonna pray this over us because this is what God spoke to me this morning, knowing that I was coming here to be with you today. God, I thank you for all of us. God, I thank you for these ones who have stood up this morning, that they love you. God, I thank you that these ones love you. And I thank you that they are called according to your purpose. And anywhere and any place that you feel like you've come out of alignment with God's plan and purpose, I just call you back into alignment right now that you would become aware of the calling according to his purpose that he has placed on you and in you and on your life. And we thank you, God, that you say here, for those who love God, all things work together for good. God, I pray a blessing over each of these ones who has stood up today, a hungry, these hungry hearts who are ready to receive from you. God, you are working all things together for their good, and I just pray that there would be a shift in their situations and their circumstances, and they would begin to see what you are doing, what you are working out of everything that they are in the middle of. We thank you, God, that you are good, that you will be glorified. And I pray and believe that you are going to begin something in these ones today. Amen. Sorry, I'm just going to give you an extra Bible there because, you know, you might need more than one. Turn the laptop back on. So, um, this morning, um, well, who's been, who's been following our Bible plan, our church one that we've been doing? Okay, that's cool. It's been fun this week. Um, we've been reading some of the snippets this week of Jesus' journey to Jerusalem. So a couple of things stood out to me. So this is just, a, again, a little added extra. Um, a couple of things stood out to me. We read that on the way to Jericho, Jesus healed a blind man who was sitting on the side of the road begging. That's pretty cool. We also read that he, as he was passing through Jericho, he saw... Uh, Zacchaeus up in that tree, Zacchaeus the rich tax collector, and he stopped him, called him down and said he would go to his house, which led to Zacchaeus's repentance and salvation. And I just thought that was, both of those were like, you know, when we're on, just on our way to the shop, 
or we're just on our way to our friend's house. You know, he wasn't having a holy moment. He wasn't like, okay, I need to pray and I need to do something for the Lord right now. He was just on his way somewhere, on his journey. And in that place of being on his way, he was just attentive to what the Father was saying to him and the nudges, and he stopped. And we saw miracles, we saw signs, we saw wonders, we saw uh, God being glorified. And so that was just a really fun thing that I noticed and I wanted to just mention. Uh, we get to live like that too as well, just so you know. So let's actually get to the point of what we are going to be reading today. So I'm going to read John 12, 12 to 19 uh, from the ESV translation, so you can follow along if you like. I think it'll be on the screen. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it's written, fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. We read that this week as well, didn't we, when we read Zechariah. Verse 16, his disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. So I'm just going to give you a quick, like Louise simplified version, backstory, no theologian, also don't have all the time in the world, um, of kind of what's already happened at the first part of this chapter. So it said at the very start in verse one, this is six days before Passover. So Passover was when they were, the, it was celebrated in Judaism, when they're commemorating the exodus of the Israelites out of Egypt. And if you remember that story, they marked their doorposts with the blood of the lamb so that God would pass over them. So it says it's six days before Passover, and then we read in verses 1 and 2 that Jesus goes to Bethany to have supper with his friends. So we'll remember that. He's hanging out with Mary, Martha, Lazarus, some other people. Lazarus, I mean. Um, and then we read in verses 3 to 8 that he, uh, that one of my favorite parts actually, where Mary anoints him. She gets down at his feet. She breaks open the perfume. She's just giving her, him all of her love and her adoration and wiping his feet with her hair. And actually, he says that she's anointing him for um, burial. And then we get in verse 9, it talks about, it says that many Jews come to see Jesus. And they're actually coming to see Lazarus as well, because, of course, previous to this, Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead. So they want to come and get a look in and see what's going on here. Um, but then in verses 10 to 11, they made plans to kill Lazarus, which is strange. I mean, why would they do this? <laughs> well, the reason they did this was that because many Jews were believing in Jesus because of Lazarus' testimony. That is the power of testimony at work in our lives. And so I want to ask us a question. What's your story? How has God changed you, redeemed you, healed you, freed you, transformed you? But we'll get to that a bit more later. So let's have a look at our passage of scripture that we're looking at today that I read out before. I'm going to look at the first half, talk a little bit about that, and then look a bit more 
um, afterwards. So the first few verses, I'll just read them again. 12 to 15. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took the branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it's written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. So this was the crowd that we'd seen that had come to the house the night before. They'd seen, uh, they were looking for Jesus and Lazarus. They were ready to welcome this king of Israel. But it was like a hope and a desire for Jesus to be kind of like a political, patriotic sense of a king. That's what king meant to them. They didn't really have any grid or understanding for the kind of king that Jesus actually was, like king of their hearts, um, that kind of thing. This, there still wasn't really an understanding or revelation for many of them at that point of the fullness of who he was and why he'd actually come. It wasn't really to be the king of the nation as they kind of understood it. So this was more like a patriotic parade. It reminds me of... Um, I mean, you guys have probably all experienced this too. When I was a little girl, I remember um, being at primary school and I remember the Queen coming to visit Jersey. And we got, we got little flags. I remember us going down to, I can't, was it the harbour? I feel like it was the harbour, even though it feels strange to think that she would come in on the boat. But, I've, but she came somewhere and I remember us going and lining up to welcome as she kind of came in. And I remember there being some barriers and she walked along and we were there with our mini flags, like waving this like patriotic kind of thing. We didn't really know actually what was going on, but it was all very exciting. And um, I obviously didn't know her, but I knew who she was. I knew that she was important. And that kind of reminded me of what this kind of thing would be like for a lot of these Jews who didn't actually know Jesus. They just knew he was important and they thought and hoped that he would be kind of a king of their nation as they understood that to be. And um, the palm trees were a national symbol. So waving the branches of the palms was kind of like us waving the flags in that kind of sense, if that helps you to understand. So they were looking to him for their kind of political salvation from the oppressions of the Romans. And interestingly, Jesus rode in on a donkey. I don't know if you've ever thought about that being an interesting choice. Um, I've thought about that, but there's two reasons why he rose, rode in on a donkey. One of them was to fulfill the prophecy that was in Zechariah 9, which was in that passage of scripture that we just read today, quoted, but also I think we read that on Monday in our Bible reading. So it said, fear not for behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. So that was a fulfillment of the prophecy. And also the other thing is coming in on a donkey was a demonstration of the kind of kingdom that Jesus was representing. So it was one of peace and not of one of war. Um, if he'd come, like if someone had come in riding on a horse, it would have been ridden by a conqueror. It would have been like a, um, somebody who was coming in to take over and rule and reign in that kind of a way. Whereas priests um, and people like that would have been the ones that would, men of peace would be riding on donkeys. And so there's a beautiful display here as Jesus chooses to come riding in on a donkey, that he is not coming in to conquer and take over as we would think, but he is coming in with his kingdom of peace. Again, probably not what would have been expected really um, at that time. You know, it makes me think about how he often comes in ways that are unexpected and that we don't really expect or don't really think, but 
he, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways and so he knows what he's doing. So he, for us personally, you know, Jesus wants to come and be our king, but he does not want to come and be a king who wants to kind of take over us and take over our lives in a sense. He's not coming to us as a king with orders, with rules, with regulations. He's not here just so that in our heads we can say, yep, we know that he's the king. No, he's coming to us in love and peace. His kingdom is different from anything we would ever expect or imagine, particularly from a king. He's coming to be a king and the king of our hearts and our lives. It's so much more personal. He's here to bring love and peace. He's here to bring salvation to our hearts. And some of us, I think, we need that reviving in this season. I think some of us know in our heads that Jesus is the King, but our hearts need to be revived in the truth and the revelation of that kind of for us personally. So he's here. He's here to bring that fresh revelation and that fresh encounter today if you need it. So just let's be open. Let's, I'm sure you are, but I always like to continually remind myself to be open to open my heart to all that he is and all that he wants to do in me. So are we welcoming him in in the way that he wants to be welcomed in? Not just welcoming him to church on a Sunday, but are we welcoming him into our hearts and our lives, into every part, into every area? I mean really welcoming him in. I don't know as I always am. You sometimes realize, oh, maybe I haven't welcomed him into that area or maybe I haven't welcomed him in today. But I was reminded of Psalm 24, verses seven to 10. Sorry, I didn't tell these guys I was gonna curveball out a few extra scriptures, but you can look in your Bibles if you want to, or you can just listen. And um, Psalm 24, seven to 10 is a great scripture about welcoming in the King of glory. So you can listen, you can let it wash over you, you can let it encounter you as I read it, whatever you want to do, but here it is. Lift up your heads, O gates. Be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates. Lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. Oh, that we would be ones that would cry out for him in this way. Are we crying out for him in this way? Are we welcoming in the King in this way when we're on our own at home, when we're driving in the car, we're in the middle of a difficult situation? Are we ushering in his presence as we welcome him in? He wants to be in the midst of every single moment of every single thing. And I think we just need to remember, I know I do, I just need to remind myself that he's just waiting to be welcomed in. So let us be asking him to come. Let us be asking for that fresh revelation and that fresh encounter. In the... Um, in the um, 
account of the triumphal entry, which is the same scripture that we've just read. You can find it in all the different gospels, but I love the part in Luke where the verses that actually talk about the moment of Jesus's entry. So I'm going to read that bit to you as well. So Luke 19, 37 to 40. It says, as he was drawing near, Already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise with God. No, began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And I thought there was such a contrast between the way that the Jews welcomed Jesus to Jerusalem as the king that they've been waiting for. Of course, they're, they're happy and excited, but there they were just like, you know, I can't remember now what they said. If I, I'll probably lose my place if I go up. But then, um, then the way that his disciples and friends are crying out and shouting praise as he comes in. His disciples were, it says that they were crying out, they were rejoicing, they were praising in a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. They are celebrating and they are testifying to who he really is. So as ones who are also Jesus' disciples and friends, that's us, are you a disciple and a friend of Jesus? Yes, yes, Tim is and Carl is, excellent, well done. Um, I'm sure the rest of you are too. So we are also disciples and friends of Jesus. And so that means that we too should be compelled to cry out in praise and in a loud voice. Verses 39 to 40, if these were silent, the stones would cry out. Praise should be rising from our lives and rising from our lips. And I felt a challenge here. If we don't have anything to praise him for, then maybe there's a few things going on. Maybe we're not actually encountering him, like really encountering him. Or maybe we need our eyes open to see what he's doing in, through, and around us. Sometimes we miss these things when we're too busy about our day. You know, there's no condemnation, but perhaps we all need to be awakened to and reminded that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is moving, he is working. Um, we should be seeing him at work in our lives. And so as disciples and friends of Jesus, we should all have testimonies to share and things to celebrate. And I also want to challenge us, because I'm challenging myself too in this, like, and I've I felt God's challenge in this area over the years at different times, but we should have testimonies to share and things to celebrate, but not that one thing that he did want that time that you got saved 20 years ago. Not just, that's amazing and we need to be telling people that, but not just that thing that happened 10 years ago. He is the same yesterday, today, forever. He is moving in our lives every day. What did he do for you last week? How did you see him move yesterday? How did you see him move today? What's he been teaching you as you were reading the scriptures this morning? What aspect of his character did he reveal to you when he answered a prayer that you'd been praying and the answer came, what was he even revealing to your heart about who he is? What miracle did he do in you last week? What miracle did he do through you yesterday? 
So as I said at the start, I said, what's your story? How has God been changing, redeeming, healing, transforming you? You know, I want us to be awakened to what he's doing so that we can be crying out, praising and glorifying him and sharing and telling of what he's done and stir one another up in that excitement and faith. So let's just go back to uh, John, uh, the second part there. I'm just going to touch on verse 17 where it says, the crowd, so that's John 12, verse 17, the crowd that had been with him when Lazarus, the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him for the dead continued to bear witness. Here it is again. Those who had seen the miracle continued to bear witness. So this is our challenge, I think. When you see something amazing, um, you are so filled with excitement that you can't wait to tell people. So like if you've got a new car, if you get a new house, if you're having a new baby, if you've got a new phone, you've got a great present. I'm sure that I've heard people getting excited and telling me about all of those kind of things. So how much more exciting should it be when we see the miraculous things of God happening in us, around us, and through us? Surely that would be the most exciting thing that we can be aware of, and we should be so ready to bubble up with excitement and bubble up with stories of what he's been doing and how he's been moving and how good he is. And, you know, surely him coming to heal, him coming to set us free, him coming to redeem us, him coming to save us, those are even more exciting than the natural things because those things are impossible without the power and the presence of God. And so that should cause something to rise up from us. You know, when we get, we should be seeing answers to prayer, we should be seeing financial blessings. We should be seeing visitations of Jesus or angels. We should be seeing healings. We should be seeing signs. We should be seeing miracles. All of these things are normal for the life of a believer, not for the super spiritual Tim and Phil who stand up at the front of church, who are obviously super spiritual. It's not just reserved for them. This is normal for the life of the believer, just the bog standard believer like me and you. <laughs> we're all awesome and wonderfully made obviously um, but if we are not experiencing all these kind of things in our lives then we need to up our faith we need to up our expectation and I think we need to up our prayer and our conversation with God we should be bearing witness about what we've seen God do and if we're not then we need to ask ourselves why not have you not seen God's miracles? Who's seen God's miracles? Good, come on. Let's be ones that stir each other up and tell each other. It says in um, Mark 16, verse 17, miracles, signs, and wonders follow those who believe. So hands up if you believe. Good. <laughs> that means miracles, signs, and wonders should be following you. They should be following all of us. I know sometimes we need to access that by faith and we need to pray that this is available and we need to align ourselves with that. And so I'm going to challenge us all and myself to, to be expectant for the miraculous in our lives. And I'm just going to kind of finish by sharing two stories that happened in the last two weeks, not 10 years ago. Um, but if you've got one that's even more recent than that, then great. So here's two things that happened in my life. And I tell you these things so that we can stir up our faith and our excitement for who God is and know that he's at work in our day-to-day -day lives. So 
um, a couple of weeks ago, and, and also because it said that we needed to praise and celebrate with what he's doing, so I'll start here. So a couple of weeks ago, I, some of you who've known me, you know that years ago when I was at ministry school, I had many, many amazing, miraculous financial uh, testimonies of provision that happened in a time when I had nothing, and God just provided again and again for two years so that I had enough money to live. And then in the last kind of seven or eight years, I haven't had a need for God to provide for me financially because I've been working and all of that kind of stuff and I've had kind of what I've needed. Um, but more recently, a couple of few weeks ago, I was just in a bit more of a tight spot and I was having a chat with God. I was like, I remember, I remember when you provided for me, I remember when you took care of me and I know I haven't really asked you because I haven't really felt like I needed you, but I kind of could do with some of your provision and some of your help because you're my father, you're a good God, and this isn't really working out great for me. Um, and a few days later, I checked my bank account because I was going to make a bank transfer to somebody um, for something that they bought for me. And somebody had deposited 400 pounds into my account. <laughs> and that's just, isn't that incredible? Like, you know, some God had spoken to somebody else and laid it on their heart to give me a blessing in a time that I need. You know, that is how good he is, that he could do that for you if you're in need. He could place it in your heart to be a blessing to someone else in their moment of need. And so, yeah, I just wanted to celebrate what he did. And here's another one, which uh, was an interesting one. This was, I can't remember if this was last week, but, uh, and this is funny, sometimes these sound like small little things, but Holy Spirit always helps me out with the small things. Like when I lose things or I'm like, oh, where did I put that? Holy Spirit, can you help me? And I'll just have a thought pop in my mind and I'll go check and there it is. And so the other day, I was looking for something in my makeup bag that felt very important to me and I couldn't find it. And I was really like, this is not okay. And so I emptied out my makeup bag and I couldn't find it and I put everything back in again and then I went and I checked the cupboards and then I was like, oh no. So then I went and looked back at my makeup bag again and I couldn't find it. And I was like, asking Holy Spirit's help, thinking, where have I left it? Like, have I put it in a different bag? I checked a couple of other bags, and I was like, oh, where is it? And I didn't really get a sense of where it was, and I was just like, okay, I better shake my makeup bag again. And I walked back over to the bed where I'd put the makeup bag on, and it was right on top. And I was like, okay, I don't really know if I just didn't see it, or if you just did get some angels to put it there, because I've heard loads of stories from people before who've lost things, and they've said, oh, Father, would you just release some angels to go and get that thing and bring it back to me, and then it's come back, and then they found it on their bed. So, I don't know. All I know is I looked for it as thoroughly as I thought I was looking for it in lots of different places, and then I asked Holy Spirit's help, and then there it was right on the top of the makeup bag. So, I choose to celebrate that Holy Spirit's helping me. Miracle signs, wonders are happening for those of us who believe and who ask for them. So, I would like to just take some time to pray for us and um, I, I think I'm going to start by, there's three different things that I'd like to pray for and I want you just to get bold. If you want these things I want you to kind of stand up and I'll pray and we'll kind of put some music on in a minute but there's three things. I'm going to pray for, you know when we read Psalm 24, welcoming the King of Glory in, like that's always a prayer of my heart really anyway, but if you feel stirred by that and you're like, no, I want a fresh revelation and I want to welcome him in, 
in a new and different way. I'm going to pray for that in a minute. And then the next thing that I'm going to pray for after that is signs, miracles, and wonders. You know, we should be expecting that. We should be seeing that. And so we're going to do a bit of prayer about that as well. So.